Well, look at us in person again. This is Corey, and this is the Other Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to a special early-ish. <laughs> episode- Earlier. <laughs> Earlier than usual. Uh, episode 320 of the OD Anthem Podcast. Coming to you once again from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 Freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice. The best way to do it, anchor.fm forward slash OD Anthem. And uh, for checking us out on all the social medias, including YouTube, where you can find the video version, and uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the places. And as a reminder, no matter where you're watching us live right now, Facebook or Twitter via Periscope or Twitch or over on YouTube, leave us a comment wherever you're watching. We can see all your comments. We'll throw them right up here on the screen right below us, and you can be part of the conversation. So Yes, indeed. So, obviously, the first top news of the week... Corey has allowed me to come back to the studio, <laughs> so that's nice. I, I haven't locked you out. No, uh, <laughs> we uh, uh, we decided that there was a, a irregularity, and we decided to self-quarantine for a little while. Uh, and uh, in that time, you also got tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you get your results yet? Negative. Right. Yeah, negative. we're negative. So I know, I know, uh, I know. Roxanne was negative. So, and listen, it's uh, what's good for one is good for the other. Honestly, <laughs> there's. Uh, there's a high rate, a high chance of cross contamination. <laughs> yeah, given, given all factors. So, uh, so yeah, everything's good. Um, it's if I just, I, I mean, I'm just gonna say it's funny that you know, uh, Corey was very harsh on. You might have been exposed, so we want to make sure we separate. And then he started missing producer Carly a lot, and all of a sudden <laughs> the rules got a little bit flexible. That and, was uh, that was not me. That was uh, there were <laughs> there were other forces at play there, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, no, I, it, it's I'll tell you, the, it, it was really weird doing the podcast over the Internet, like yeah, not sure. actually seeing you in a way I feel like sort of takes away a little bit of the uh, the banter. The je ne sais quoi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, 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 you know, it, it's not ideal, but I, I feel like it, it worked out well for us and we got to play with some new things. And, and I think uh, for future uh, things we'd love to do, like doing another movie review with Jim, yeah. Jim Force, uh, available on his reviews available on YouTube and uh, he's over on Twitter. That functionality of being able to be in remote locations and kind of call in and do it yeah. would be perfect for that. So right. we figured out a better way to do that with all of this. Yeah. So uh, silver lining there. Yeah. But I mean, like I thought the the last two shows were were still very good. Yeah. And uh, it's just different. It's like you know, like if I if I told you to start. Uh, throwing the ball left-handed instead of right. Like there's going to be a little bit where it's just like this isn't this is weird, it doesn't feel the same like <laughs> there there are shows where it's a lot of like hey, you do your thing and then I'll do my thing and it's like throw to the other person for their segment. Right. It's easier to do those when you're in different locations. Yeah. It's not as much uh of the the direct well, I think, banter. I think shows that are are more scripted yeah. are a little bit easier to do like that. Well, I mean, uh, Howard's not as funny if Robin's not in the room. Right. Because part of it is he's performing for Robin. Yeah. Not for everybody who's listening. Right, right, right. But then, you know, like, Artie's not there and it's like, oh, well, you know, he's going to do Or just his like thing. those guys with the uh, Big O and Duke show, the ones who laugh like, <laughs> like people in Arkham Asylum or something like that. So here's what I realized, by the way, because uh, I was listening with Roxy in the car and I had to slow it down to, you know, normal yeah. person speed. Right. It's not that bad when you listen to it. At one. The yeah. problem is at 1.92, 2.1, it does sound like they're crazy. It's, it's just like a high pitch. Hee hee. Hee hee. 
<laughs> so uh, it's very weird. But if you listen to it at one, it, it actually sounds more normal. I, I don't even understand how I listen to things at one anymore. Like, uh, I can't. It, it, some some people, uh, and you know, I, I love our, our podcasting community, mm-hmm. our, our space here and everything like that. Uh, some of y'all talk really slow. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, like, I, I appreciate the information, but like when I'm listening to a podcast and it's like, you're listening to the 538 Politics Podcast, and I'm just like, nope, faster. You gotta <laughs> give it to me fast. <laughs> Honestly, I, so... I would listen to it in the car at, uh, you know, like at 1.1, 1. 1, yeah. 1. 1.3, whatever. I, it was acceptable to me to slow it down to. Uh, and then I forgot about it. And the next time I put it in, I switched podcast. And I was just like, what is wrong? Like, I realized like on my scooter ride to work, I wasn't, it, I, I forgot I was listening to it. Yeah. Because it was so slow. I was like, oh, right. The speed is way down. Can't even listen to it. At well, that one, speed. one thing I, I am very appreciative of now uh, is that the Google casting allows for uh, the speed increase now mm-hmm. when you're listening on Pocket Cast. So now I can listen to any speaker in the house at, you know, 1.5 speed. speed or yeah. whatever. And it doesn't, it, it, it used to be that if you cast a podcast to, you know, like the speaker in the bathroom, then it would, it would slow down to one and yeah. I'd be like, just going nuts, like <laughs> listening to slow talking. <laughs> like it's so unnerving to oh. me. And Karina. Karina Longworth, yeah, I love you, and I love your podcast. I cannot listen <laughs> to that podcast at speed. It, it just feels like it takes forever. I'm like, get to the good stuff. <laughs> With her specifically, I've noticed that uh, uh, I get used to music at mm-hmm. 1.5 speed, and like every once in a while, like. <laughs> Because uh, Rachel likes, uh, you must remember this yeah. as well. So like, I'll play it in the car with her, and then every once in a while, like I have to dump, you know, put it down to one. And I'm listening, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, I'm just like, why is this so slow? It's it's messing with my brain. It'd be like if you listen to like, uh, you know, like a half speed version of like Jay Z, and you're just like, this isn't what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, I know, I know what this song is. It's not right. Uh, ads because everybody does basically the same company's ads on podcast too. Yeah, the intro music for some of the ones that's weird too. Right, it's just like if you hear it at a different speed, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Oh, ad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even recognize this was an ad. Got me. Damn it. I listened to your advertisement. <laughs> Speaking of which, stamps.com. Uh, we love uh, <laughs> I'm actually a user. By the way, stamps.com is actually super convenient. Uh, yeah. When you have to go wait in line for an hour at the post office. Printing really out nice. at home makes it easier. Yeah, very yeah. super nice. Uh, actually, very, very nice. But uh, so we are back in studio. Quarantine is over. Um, and... Uh, it looks like quarantine is over for most of the country because uh, Memorial Day has brought out the crazies. We're going to get into that. Don't worry. Um, but it is Memorial Day weekend, Corey. Yes. Do you have any big plans for Memorial Day weekend? I mean, it pretty much involves staying here in the apartment. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to to really say. Um, I, you know, just generally speaking, I know that people want to get out and there's like a thirst to get out and stuff like that. But uh, I, I find that so much of what's the fun in going out if there's nothing to do on the other end? Yeah. Uh, it's always been kind of weird for me and you know, there's still not like, even though Maryland's opened back up, it's not like they're, you know, like restaurants are open no. or like you can go, go ride the zipper or something like that. Like it, it's, it's still closed. Like you're just walking the boardwalk in front of a lot of closed doors. I do want to mention this when we get into it, but they're enforcing social distancing on the beach, by the way. Yeah. The lifeguards. Are right. Enforcing. So if you're on the sand, six foot if you're on the boardwalk 
it's anarchy. I don't <laughs> understand it. I do not understand it. Uh, but anyway, we'll yeah. get there. So, so we, um, it's a weird Memorial Day weekend, uh, because, uh, here in LA, most of the buildings are still keeping their amenities closed. So even if we were going to stay in the building and do anything, even the amenities in the building are closed. Yeah. So you can't really barbecue. You can't go to a pool. There's nothing. Just, right. Hey, it's a day off. So my intention is to sleep. In. Can't go to the basketball court and do some shirts for skins. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Couldn't do that. I wouldn't do that anyway, but yeah, <laughs> we can't do that. Um, but, uh, in order to uh, just to celebrate the fact that uh, you know, quarantine is lifting and it's a holiday weekend anyway, uh, we do have a special announcement for everybody. And that is uh, Corey will eventually sometime before this event actually tolls have an advertisement out for the new T-shirt. But in the time being, you may have seen if you follow us on social media. And of course, you can do that at OD Anthem on all your social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere at uh, at Oh the Anthem, uh, you may have seen that we are running a sweepstakes to give away a free T-shirt. Yes, so the brand new uh, DTLA T-shirt, uh, as modeled by Katya and the picture there, mm-hmm. is uh, going to be given out to one lucky person. Oh, so, yes. uh, if you go to OhTheAnthem.com forward slash sweepstakes dot html, then you can sign up there or go to any of the social media as we said and uh, click through the link. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we're going to be doing a drawing on July 1st, so it's going to close on June 30th. So it's a little bit of a summer slash Memorial Day slash 4th of July kind of giveaway, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, of course, the, there is not a T-shirt already here, so we'll be able to get it in your size, whatever your size is. It will be your T-shirt for you, uh, a DTLA T-shirt. And for what it's worth, I did get hit up by a couple of people who were like, hey, I'd like to buy it even if it's not, like, you know, through the sweepstakes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I can send you a link to it. It is available yeah. in the store if you just would like to purchase it. You don't have to it. just win it. Like, it's still... <laughs> it's available. Yeah. So uh, go and check out the the store, which is uh, com forward slash store. Dot HTML. Dot HTML. Yeah. Uh, and you can actually get the T-shirt there. But if you'd like a chance to win one, go and sign up uh, for the sweepstakes, and we'll be giving one away uh, at the end of the month. Yes, indeed. All right. So... Uh, a little bit uh, out of order from our usual uh, things way of doing things, but I think that we are going to start off this episode by taking a trip on down to the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope? Absolutely. And we got to do that because things in Maryland are just going nuts. Uh, and I feel like if we don't do the Baltimore corner first, we may not have a chance to do it before the entire state erupts in anarchy. Well, also, uh, we're a week away from the release of this podcast from the Democratic primary yes. yeah. in Maryland. Um, and this is our opportunity to, to uh, give our last impressions of the race uh, before voting starts. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me so- summarize. Don't vote. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Corey. If you were to vote, though, Rob will give you a lot of choices as to how to consider <laughs> Um, Vote guillotine 2020. It, it's uh, it's our opportunity to sort of break down the field and sort of see where we are. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but first, before we get into that, uh, I, uh, I'm i thinking back to uh, Kent Brockman in the episode of The Simpsons where uh, that lizard jumped in front of the camera. Yes. And he was assumed that the monsters had taken over. Yes. And uh, he, for one, would like to uh, welcome his new reptile overlords. Uh, and I'd like to do that the same thing for right now for the Chesapeake Godzilla, which yes. is the alligator that has been found <laughs> roaming around the Inner Harbor, apparently. Listen, uh, human beings are a menace. Nature is healing itself. <laughs> there, 
you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of people who uh, I heard saying unkind things about uh, the Chinese and wet markets and all that sort of stuff with the eruption of coronavirus. Yes. I don't think we should minimize the fact that an alligator who is put into radioactive material like this mm-hmm. usually turns into like a villain in a Spider-Man thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even though it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean that we shouldn't examine the possibility that it could be happening in the future. And of course, if some animal control officer were to be, I so mean, we're not going to be able to, uh, uh, clearly it's going to come aground at some point yeah. and then people are going to start shooting at it and it'll become bigger and more powerful. Like the, or, the or, ammo will just cause it to anger itself and animal control tries to capture it. It bites one of the guys and he becomes, Oh, you know, it transfers over. Yeah. Because it's the, you know, as we know, the radioactivity affects the animal, which then bites the human. Yeah. Giving it the characteristics. Is it doc? Ock is the one from <laughs> no, wait, doc Ock is the octopus. Uh, who is the gator from, well, I mean, Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider in the yes. game. Spider-Man. But then there's a doctor who tries to regrow his limb by yeah, giving yeah. himself the, alligator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that guy's name? It's a reptile, isn't it? Is it just reptile? I thought it was. Oh, uh, I thought it was a fancy I mean, you're putting name. me on the spot and making me nervous. That I don't know that correctly, but... Uh, yeah, it could absolutely be <laughs> uh, Spider-Man villains. <laughs> reptile. Uh, Google search. Uh, the lizard. Yeah. The lizard. Uh, Reptile is a character from X-Men. Oh, okay. X-Men universe who can flip his skin. So there's a guy who flips his skin into uh, adamantium. His name is Titan, I want to say. Uh, but Reptile is the guy who flips it and he just turns into like. Yeah. All our street cred from Heretics is just melting away at the moment. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> not really because nobody understood what the concept of that was. So it's okay. <laughs> So we're fine. Uh, by the way, Heretics is a world where there are no religions or gods. Superheroes have entered the picture and they become gods. Yeah. Find Heretics at YouTube.com forward slash the Anthem. It's a wonderful five episode story, web series. Season. Season. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, here's the thing. Um, the initial reaction to the story of a, of a alligator in the bay or in the harbor was absolutely correct, which on Twitter was generally like, kill it! <laughs> like, yes, we absolutely should do everything we can to kill the beast because it is only going to get stronger. If it can survive in the water of the inner harbor, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a chance it's going to mate with Miss Trash Wheel. What does that child look like? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Um, horrible, horrible. A combination thing. of conservation and terror. I... <sighs> Dwight from the office <laughs> the earth they bought or whatever that just slowly gets more horrible over time oh, God, I've watched what, too much office what about what about a Mrs. Trash Wheel but one that murdered <laughs> hey we're just spitballing screenplay ideas here uh, but yeah so don't anybody tell Jack Young too quick he might consider I just want to say that uh, the irony I'm of- not the one murdering people Mrs. Trash Wheel is <laughs> the irony of this is the big- the big eyes is like, what? <laughs> if the harbor was swimmable and fishable this year, which, by the way, Definitely it, was suppo- not. it was not, but it was supposed to be, that the alligator would then once again make it not. Damn you, COVID-19. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, we would be there. Somebody give Jack the softball. Like, Well, I mean, COVID. We, uh, of course, we're not uh, able to swim and fish, and it. it's, uh, it's a public place. We have to close it down. <laughs> We're not allowed any swimming in the harbor <laughs> while uh, coronavirus is uh, in the public. So, you know, stay out of the harbor. <laughs> also, there's an alligator. 
<laughs> amongst other things. It's like uh, every once in a while, the National Geographic like gets like a super amazing uh, submarine that goes deeper into the water yes. than ever before. Yeah. yeah, and we get to see some sort of fish that looks like a nightmare that like <laughs> we never knew existed before. Yes, something yeah. with like teeth and saws and stuff like that. And we're just like, holy shit, look at that thing. That I assume the inner harbor is just filled with that, and we can't see it because you know the layers of like dirt and debris that cover up the surface mm-hmm. don't allow us to see deep enough into the. See what's crawling around. Sixty foot deep water. Yeah. (laughs) To examine what's underneath. I have to say that And no camera can go down because it would just burn. Like (laughs) I was I was terrified that that alligator floating on the surface might uh, like Lake Placid just be swallowed whole by a giant alligator that's actually down in the depths of the harbor. And you'd be like, oh, look, an alligator. And then a 60-foot alligator swallows it, and you're like, oh, there's a bigger one down there. (laughs) Okay, we should be careful. But as we know, those uh, the Chicago tourists jumped in like three years ago, and just, they were fine. Just imagine if you were out on one of the little like dragon <laughs> paddle boats, and you're just like, "Oh, look, it's Federal Hill over there!" And then all of a sudden, you just saw like a sixty foot alligator just starting to circle your little dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time. Even if you wanted to bail out and swim for it, you can't. You like, can't. You the die. The water's terrible. Oh, God. Just. I think I'd rather be eaten by the alligator than <laughs> get, get what kind of bubonic plague the, oh, the, worst the of bay all. provides. Like Jonah, he swallows you whole. Now you're stuck <laughs> in its stomach with the water. Oh, just a slow death. <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine. Got to make the journey through the end like Lemmy Winks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of deep, deep pulls. Ball, a lot deep of deep ball. pulls. Oh, man. Um, so in uh, maybe less entertaining news, uh, the office of the uh, inspector general. <laughs> Back to Baltimore corruption news. <laughs> Back to other terrible things about Baltimore. The office of the inspector general released a report uh, that basically said, um, so uh, to kind of explain this, my understanding of it anyway, upon the reading of the report, there is a board, uh, an auction board that is in charge of Anything that goes to bid in mm-hmm. the city, uh, any auctioning that happens. Now, you might think, oh, there's not that much stuff that goes to auction. But in a city where people just don't pay property taxes because they're ridiculous, uh, the city will often take your property. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, if they take your car and they tow it and then you go to get it. And were you ever towed in Baltimore? Yes. What was the tow bill like when you went the same day to pick Hideous. up the car? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like nine hundred dollars. I don't think it was that much. I because uh, I was I was there within like a half hour of it yeah. arriving. So if they don't log it in yet, I mean I walked there and <laughs> I got there about car. half hour after my car. But also, I think it, I think it was like four hundred fifty dollars or something like that cash. By the way, too. Yeah, and they don't tell uh, you it's cash till you get there. Yeah, and then uh, but once I got towed and i got towed at like 1150 mm. and uh i picked it up you know after midnight and they That's another counted day. it two days yep. and so it was like 690 dollars or some shit yeah and it went yeah. like around the corner like it was literally the closest i've ever been towed to where i had to pick it up <laughs> so, here's the funny not funny thing about that uh let's imagine you're living paycheck to paycheck and 600 dollars is 3 quarters of your rent yeah debilitating and- What's that? Debilitating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're just yeah. not it, like you are then choosing. Do I get the car back that gets me to work or do I not pay my rent this month? Or do um, I not eat or do I not? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe you just say, um, 
well, I guess I'm taking the bus. Uh, I need my house. So I'll take the bus to work and they can have the car, I guess. Or maybe I can go get a cash advance loan in a couple days on my, uh, on my paycheck. And by the time you get there, you find out that the $600 tow bill over four days becomes a $1,600 tow yeah. bill. Um, cause every day they keep it, it goes higher. Well, they will then eventually the city will auction your car off. Well, uh, the office of the inspector general found out that this board in charge of auctions has been running for about 20 years with the same people on the board with a vacant seat that the president of that board has not let been filled. And the other three seats are filled by buddies of his Yeah, that they will have informal meetings um, which means that like for a guy's night out, they'll call that the meeting that they're supposed to have that month in violation of the open meetings act, which is not the most, uh, not the most terrible violation that they could have done. Right. I mean like, no, I, I don't imagine that a lot of people were clamoring to see the board of auctions, like go through their, their day to day. And I yeah. think the fact that they've run uh, underneath this all. So for so long is indicative of that. Like nobody has bothered to check. So. Yeah. I, I feel like Should I have a public meeting if nobody inquires? I mean, like, I I um I did a review that ended up uh, the sound was ruined, so I couldn't use it. I might redo it, but uh, did you watch Bad Education, the Hugh Jackson movie? Oh no, the one on HBO yes. with Alice. J- no, yeah. I, it's been on my list. So like, one of the uh, the underlying theories, uh, like things about that movie, is that you see that like it starts out so small, it's like an accidental charge. Yeah. And then it grows and it grows. And, and that movie, by the way, is about the largest embezzlement in the history of the public school system. Yeah. But like uh, basically that's what he says. He's like, I, I uh, paid for a slice of pizza with the wrong card on a Friday night. And I said, well, on Monday, I'll make that right. And then Monday was busy. And I realized Monday night, no one even asked about it. Yeah. And then the next day I charged a bagel. And on Wednesday, nobody asked about it. And then it just escalates from there. I have a feeling that's how this went. It was just like, oh, you know, we really should uh, get somebody in that seat. And then, like, a month goes by, and it's like, oh. We, we kind of like the crew we've been running with. Yeah, and, like, oh, we forgot about it in the last meeting. We'll just put it off another month. And then it's been 20 years. Well, you see, the, uh, whenever I make an argument about how there's p- potentials to streamline government, yeah. this is kind of what I'm getting at. The fact that uh, if... You found yourself in the situation where you left your car and you couldn't get it for a couple of days and it was auctioned off. And then maybe you make some sort of request as to like, where do I, what authority do I reach out to for this kind of restitution? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you might get directed to them. Maybe. But there's a better than even chance that you'd probably get the runaround from a bunch of different agencies before you eventually find yourself there. It's like, oh, no, you don't deal with us. You deal with them. And then you keep going around until eventually you end up at the board of auctions. Yeah, and and I mean... And then what are you supposed to do? Just, like, you meet some guy, and then it's just like, yeah, car was sold. Sorry. Well, no, and see, that's the thing, though, because they're not in charge of the auctions. They're right. in charge of bidding out to the company who oh, does I, the auction. Oh, I know, so, but I'm saying, like, the... Sorry about your luck. But, like... The, how would anyone ever figure it out? That's the point. Like, and the, the way that you're able to run with like, you know, an empty seat for a decade is because nobody can think to even inquire. Yep. So all these people who are, you know, supposedly doing a job, supposed to be doing a job are, uh, you know, collecting income and (laughs) all this stuff. And like, you know, you end up, you, uh, you get real busy and then you realize, Oh man, it's been two months. We by law are supposed to have a meeting. And then one of them's like, you know, we watched a football game like last Sunday. That was technically last month. And all of us were there. That's a quorum. Yeah. 
So we could just call that the meeting. And then you realize nobody checked and nobody asked like, well, you didn't book a room. You didn't have anybody there. No questions were taken. Like, eh, nope. So now we never meet or yeah. we only meet when we want to go hang out and have beers. So it, it's, it's one of those creeping things. And the reason I really wanted to talk about that, uh, this, Oh, also, uh, I said that that was not the most, uh, egregious, uh, offense because the chairman of that board granted himself a no bid contract over the vehicle auctions for the city of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and now he was able to do that because he already had a license for auctions or his company has a license for auctions. So, Every car that is towed and then taken and sold by the city of Baltimore, this guy who gave himself a no bid contract now makes money off of. So mm. that's awesome. Yeah. That's real Baltimore, if you ask me. Um, anyway, but I brought that up because one of the candidates for mayor we had previously discussed might be the solution to that problem. Yeah. I mean, so uh, let's get into this here. First, first of all, uh, most recent uh, poll I saw uh, released in the past week here, I think it was, from the Baltimore Sun and a couple other groups that work together on it, uh, had uh, in this order, uh, some of these are obviously uh, margin of error and stuff like that, but uh, Sheila Dixon at 18%, Mary Miller at 18%, Brandon Scott at 15%, Theru Vignaraja at 11%, TJ Smith at 6%, Jack Young at 5 22 undecided, uh, wouldn't say or someone else at 5% and the margin of error was 4.9%. So that means that undecided is currently about to win the mayor's race. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's weird. The leader in the clubhouse. And uh, Jack Young is about to be <laughs> overtaken by the margin of error. So <laughs> not good for Jack. Um, but well, let's just go through the candidates. Yeah, is that how you want to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay. I figured what we would do here is uh, act as like a voter guide. Okay. Um, sort of allow us to sort of go through the candidates and and make cases for or against, and uh, who you think would be the voting block that would come out for them, and all sure. that sort of stuff. So I guess let's start with Sheila, uh, former mayor. Uh, former left felon. In, left in shame. Not felon. Oh, that's actually. right. Yeah, former she, misdemeanor. She avoided the felony to be able to run again. Um, and uh, she ran last time, narrowly losing to Catherine Pugh in what we know now is a uh, <laughs> problematic election. Problematic. Uh, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Problematic election-wise. Yeah. Uh, 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 campaign finance-wise, I guess we should say. Um, I mean, Sheila has her support. And there's a lot of people who are ride or die, Sheila, no matter what. And it, it seems like it's a very consistent 18% just feels like the pocket of people in Baltimore who are like, I'm down with Sheila. Yeah. yeah. She did a good job. She, uh, you know, made a mistake. She's paid for it, you know, more than anyone else. She's getting questioned about it all the time. She wouldn't do it again. Mm -hmm. We should trust her and, and let her go forward. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she did like 22, 24% last time. So we're within the margin of error at 18. Like, yeah. uh, and I just feel like no matter what you tell them, you're never going to shake that base. Yeah. But it's also for her winning the seat. I mean, I think they'd vote for somebody else if somebody else reached Good. out to them. Yeah. The way that, I mean, I mean the, the thing is, Sheila sort of lives with the the faith-based community of Baltimore right. in a way that none of the other candidates have really ever been able to break into. Yeah. And usually amongst the people who run for mayor is one person who sort of has the faith community behind them. 
preachers are are very powerful political figures in, yeah. in Baltimore, and uh, their congregations tend to vote in blocks. So if you are Sheila Dixon, who's been putting in the time with all these all these people for years while you're not allowed to run, right? And then you're the one who's been there the whole time. The uh, much like uh, the argument for Biden with the African American community is, yeah, well, we know him. He's yep. been here a long time, and you know, like. <laughs> Yes, he's not black. We would we would appreciate that, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it, we know that he has good. We'll get into that later. Yes. yes. <laughs> but no, I, and I think that you're never going to shake that that uh, that part, that voting block. The difficulty is in an election like this, she doesn't seem to be gaining any ground anywhere else either. However, with this many candidates, that block might be enough to win it for you. Right. If you can turn them out and get them to vote. Or get them to turn their ballots in. Well, I mean, that's that seems to be a problem across the board, yeah. really. I mean, Mary Miller has jumped a lot in the last couple months here um, and has really become a favorite by a lot of people. Like, she's she's number one on a lot of people's lists. Yeah. Um, and she's the candidate that I wanted to bring up the, the Office of... Uh, Inspector General report for yeah because go ahead give us give us the background on Mary Miller well so uh, she was a former T Rowe Price executive and she was in the Obama administration in the uh, helping with the economic recovery so uh, point she always makes whenever corruption gets brought up because literally everyone who's running for mayor other than her has some sort of hand to Baltimore city government in some way. Uh, she is, uh, being able to say I was twice confirmed unanimously by the Senate. Uh, my, my finances check out. I'm a perfectly normal, non-corrupt person. Yeah. Uh, I could be making millions in the yeah. private market, but I love Baltimore. I came back here. I'm choosing to do this. And, uh, from the inspector general's perspective, uh, I got put in charge of a pretty disastrous economy and I helped, I played a part in digging it out. And a lot of that was finding the waste and figuring out how to change those policies. And that is what Baltimore needs. And, you know, Corey has been talking about a take your medicine mayor. Yeah. Somebody who's in finance is the person who is not doing this for adoration. Yeah. I mean, I I, I just don't see her. I don't get what what's in it for her to get in and be corrupt. Yeah. Because her fall will just be worse than anyone else's if she's another one in the run for. But more importantly, it ruins everything she did up to this point. Yeah. She had a life outside of Baltimore that would be ruined by it. Like Sheila Dixon has been Baltimore. Jack Young, Baltimore. um, I mean, Catherine Pugh, all Baltimore. But she's someone who went out in the world and did a lot of good work. Why would she come here and ruin that legacy by doing something in Baltimore that would mess that up? Yeah. But she also could have the opportunity to say, hey, I was mayor and I brought the things I learned at national government down to the mayorship. Maybe, hey, all of you, this is what we should do. This is noblesse oblige for us where we could all make way more money in the private sector. Take four, eight years, go to your city, the place you grew up or the place that you've adopted since then. Well, I mean, that's that's one of her concerns is she's not a local. She's per not. Se. A, yeah. 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 But she's been here for thirty five, something like that. 30, yeah. 35 years. So they telling everyone like you've made your money. You've worked in the public sector, maybe for government. 
Go back and work at the local level. Look how much good you can do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have to say that there is a level of I, I, appreciation for that. I, I think my concern with Mary Miller, uh, and this is, you know, none of these things that we, we say that are negative are said in slight. It's just yeah. like she's very clearly a, a smart and with it person, but I don't know if she has the personality that will make people fall in love with her. And like there was a there was a a. You know, like if you're a Schaefer or something like that, yeah, where you can combine a ability to get things done and an intellect in which to do it, along with the ability to convince people that it's a good idea. O'Malley, O'Malley did I the play, same thing. But I I'm playing a rock band, but I also can get shit. done. But O'Malley was probably more on the I'm likable than I get shit done spectrum. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, I'm saying Schaefer was probably a good mix between, yeah. like a good fifty-fifty of each. Well, and O'Malley made it look like he could get shit done. Like I'm going to make a blue ribbon commission, and uh, you yeah, know, and then nothing ever happens. Well, I, I'm at the governor's shop now. I can't, I can't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> and Norris, can you get these people out of my face? <laughs> I'm going to uh, be mayor for six years, and then I'm going to bail out and go be governor. And when all those blue ribbon commissions wrap up, I'm gone. Sorry. Yeah. I did like uh, just going back to Sheila for just a second. Like uh, uh, she made some sort of. Uh, slight at jack young during the debate yeah and he responded with like uh well i'd have a whole lot mo- more money to deal with if i didn't have to deal with your gun trace task force nonsense oh and I, was, <laughs> I was like Ooh, look at you jack young yeah. coming off the top rope <laughs> um but yes mary miller by the way uh was the undersecretary for domestic finance mm-hmm. and uh former acting deputy secretary of the treasury yes so uh definitely a nice uh track record there and both but- of those at the early part of the Obama administration, right when he became president and the economy tanked shortly thereafter. And yeah. then they were building out of a, the worst recession since the great depression. Well, that's not true at the time, the worst recession since the great, Re- uh, great depression. Well, one of the things I saw here too was, uh, in November, 2011 was included on the New York or the new Republic's list of Washington's most powerful, least famous people. Yeah. So, you know, she, she's sort of known as somebody who gets things done, but not necessarily a visible personality. Yeah. So, uh, well, and and I how much how much of Baltimore's problems need to be uh, fixed by somebody who just knows how to fix them, and how much of it needs to be fixed by somebody who can inspire a little bit of of trust in the public? Because I mean, I, I feel like Jack Young is sort of following in the same. While not as accomplished, and while I don't think he's as good. As a O'Malley, a Schaefer, yeah, or yeah. or even Mary Miller in the own in this uh, particular field, it's just he doesn't have the he falls on his feet so often because he he just can't say the thing that helps get us through to the next moment. Yeah. You know, like he was he, good at council president where everyone goes to the mayor and he's got time to get his reaction ready, right? And then he can react and work to with a group said. of people yeah. and stuff like that. But it's not yeah. quite the same as like, well, I'm not the one murdering people. Where are you going? Why are you coming at me? Like not the thing to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the next candidate up, uh, is Brandon Scott. And here is uh, something I said in the pre-show meeting, which is Brandon Scott's an idealist. He's a younger guy. He wants to make change. I I don't know that Mary Miller doesn't want to do that. In fact, based on the work she's doing in the city, I would say she does. Right. My concern is how do you pay for the things that you want to, to change about the city? And there's a couple of ways to do it. My concern is that with a with a young leftist idealist, I would say Brandon Scott's probably the closest to a Bernie in the mayor's race. Yeah, I mean there there is no 
far. There's, there's no progressive candidate no. really, though. That's the problem. Yeah, but closest to um, that. Maybe you think about the good policies and not how is this going to affect the city ten years from now when mm-hmm. you have to pay the bill for that. But Mary Miller may not be as progressive on the things she wants to do because she's thinking we also have to dig out of this huge hole because people have been stealing from, well, have been giving themselves from the public coffers for the last 50 years. And now we have to fix that and do these things at the same time. Well, Um, not only that, but fix a police department at the same time. You know, a lot of fixing. One of my concerns with Mary Miller is that even though she is very accomplished, she doesn't I, I don't know how accomplished she could be across things that she has had no experience doing like you know uh, is she going to be able to understand what is wrong with the police department and fix it or is she going to say I have a commissioner who deals with fixing this problem? you know like I would say that the most brilliant people I know and the most brilliant executives are the ones who say I know this this is the thing I know you're now suggesting something outside of this I don't know but what I do know is I can find somebody who can fix that. Yeah. And I don't care who it is, but I'm going to find the person and their job is going to be to fix it. Now we know that being police commissioner is not that because taking a cop from another city doesn't fix the cops in this city. Right. uh, Maybe uh, bringing in Michael. uh, What's his name? Uh, Ex Baltimore police officer. Oh, Wood. Michael Michael A. Wood. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the answer. Or bringing in somebody who has reformed police elsewhere from outside. I mean, generally speaking, I'm I'm trusting of somebody who has a has a good intellect. Yeah. And I, I I assume that they'll be able to figure out a way to do it and make it right. But I I you know it, it's just it everything right now is about the the pros and the cons of where you're going with this sort of thing. Uh, going back to Brandon Scott, I think that he is idealism-wise. I think where Baltimore should be going. Yeah, but and I don't know why I feel this way, and I don't know if it's fair, but I feel like that Brandon Scott has been part of sort of the Baltimore political machine for a while now, and even though he calls out uh, indiscretions Others. when he sees them, yeah. He's still part of the machine, and there's sort of a, you know, when when uh, when Sheila moved up to the to the mayor's office, once O'Malley left, there was sort of a like, well, Sheila's got to be, you know, she's part of the machine, and she's just going to continue the machine when she's in the mayor's office, which she did. Yeah. And then when she stepped down and Rawlings Blake came up, there was like, oh, well, Rawlings is part, of, you know, Pete Rawlings' daughter, yeah, do- totally part of the machine. And then, you know, Catherine Pugh the same way. Like, it, it just follows this legacy of hoping that somebody's going to come up and change things. But then when they actually get there, they're just part of the same old problem that we've had forever. I mean, like, I, I, the, I think that... It, it's like Scott, I've been burnt so many times. Yeah. I, I, I can't shake it. Every girl has cheated on me, so I'm convinced <laughs> that the next one will too. Like, yes. I, I, I feel like Brandon Scott is... He looks great, and I'm I'm you know generally excited at the prospect of him being mayor but at the same time i just feel like four years from now we're just gonna get the baltimore sun thing about him resigning in disgrace and you know what did we learn (laughs) what did we do and i i can't say that that wouldn't happen but i imagine that you know he and ryan dorsey are the two that kind of like uh throw themselves in together yeah they're mudruckers they're and they are the ones against the machine yeah they uh, embraced Kurt Cobain's call to become part of the machine and rot it from the inside. 
And I don't know if you've seen pictures for the, I know Corey has the, for the viewers at home, pictures of Ryan Dorsey, who looks like a guy who owns a tattoo shop and he's actually on the Baltimore city council, which is very strange, but, and, uh, getting, getting, uh, you know, you know, one of my, one of my number one distinguishers of who I'm going to vote for, How's who is, who is the fraternal order of police not giving money to that's the, uh, they've, they've pumped so much money into rain prior over Ryan Dorsey and that yeah. council seat. Uh, and through just got a huge check from yep. the FOP yep. for campaign stuff. Float that up. campaign. Uh, it, 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 it's like the kiss of death. It's like, it's it like, should be the kiss of death for everyone. It'd be, like a, it'd be like a Catherine Pugh had an interview and she's just like, you know who I think would be really good at this job is uh, Brandon Scott. And it's just like, Oh, why'd you do that? Uh, why'd you tell them me? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> now I have to have some press conference going, you suck. <laughs> like, Listen, just so it's clear, I didn't ask for an endorsement. I don't accept the endorsement. But yeah, it's, and I mean, TJ. I'm glad that that convicted felons think of me kindly enough, but they can't vote. So unfortunately. Uh, and I mean, so theory, we've talked about a lot. TJ Smith, though, has got to be in that too, right? Like he's a former police officer the, and not a like, I hate the police one. What bothers me so much about TJ Smith is that he knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah. And I feel like the the winning strategy this whole time would have been. I know where the bodies yeah. are buried. Yep. I can fix this. Like, but he too, um, you know, uh, uh, my concerns about Brandon Scott being another company man when he moves up to the big desk is much the same as my concerns of TJ Smith. If he's not going to, if he's going to still be a police department, like apologist, mm-hmm. then what are the chances that he's going to be able to articulate what is needed to change for the future of the police department. And I don't think he's offered that there is anything wrong. Yeah. With the I, I, I think, I, I think he just makes the same argument of like, Oh, it's a lot of good cops. The bad ones have been rooted out. We know, but I mean like nobody says it's better. Like yeah. there's not, a, there's not a single person who was getting stopped multiple times a year in 2004. That's not getting stopped the same amount of times now. Yep. It's not, you know, the, 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 the police who feel like they are allowed to operate with no rules and uh, questionable morals and a warrior lifestyle that is at like the exact worst thing for what Baltimore needs at this moment. And I, I haven't heard TJ Smith make any kind of point to like, you know, listen, I know what to do. I, 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 I know these guys. I know, I what know these guys. Yeah. I know what to fix it. I have police experience so you can trust me to fix it. It just feels like, you know, it'd literally be like if Catherine Pugh was running again right now. It's just like, yeah, I was found guilty, but I'm doing it anyway because fuck it. Like, I'd be like, well, why are you voting for that? Yeah. Why? Who is hearing her being in the race and go, I need a part of that? If you were telling me a former top cop in the Baltimore Police Department was running for mayor because he was so dissatisfied with how the police department was run and he was going to change everything because he knew what was right. Yeah. Then I would listen to that. I would listen to what he has to say on that. If he wants to continue what's been going on and not working, then I don't understand. What's the, what are you voting for? Then? Yeah, what am I getting? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm just voting for police interest at this point. I mean, like it it, it seems like the the public trust in the police. I think it was like six percent or something like that. It's not last. what you want to stand on for the election. There's like no there's no issue in the world that is that is seen as one sided as Baltimore's trust in its own police yes. department right yeah. now. Like. And it's really a missed opportunity on his part. Like, you, I would feel like if you're advising him, you have to say, listen, you need to cut from the Baltimore Police Department and just say, I know them. 
I know how to get the muzzle on them and get this under control. If you want to, if you want to say, if if TJ Smith wants to have a press conference where he's like, listen, the Bulls were a really good team, but they didn't have the person who knew how to fix it. Yeah. I'm Phil Jackson. I fix it. I, I know what needs to be done. Yeah. I know how all these parts can work. If they're all put in the right way, you have to trust me. But I mean, like, oh, I also know what we need to get rid of because I was there. But I mean, like so. the, the fact that nobody nobody is willing to take any kind of responsibility for anything that the Baltimore Police Department has been like proven guilty of. Like, the, the, you know, that that's the part that really like astonishes me. Like we have, you know, the gun trace task force. We have uh, police officers who are selling drugs in uniform with service weapons yep. in parking lots of Baltimore Police Department headquarters. We have. You can't go two months without some sort of story about, you know, some young person running from the cops and then being told to eat pavement and then being thrown every single racial obscenity that you could possibly get. Yep. And then being arrested and then going to jail for petty nonsense that the officer planted on them. Like, this is not this is not an unusual story. And the fact that nobody seems to even recognize that, like, that's a that that's still happening is kind of galling to me in a way. Well, and I was going to say the missed opportunity by a former police officer, Jack Young, also the missed opportunity of being the cancel rent and fuck the police yeah. candidate. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you do that? I would have leaned into it once the once the billboard went up. I mean, six percent. You got to you got to do, do something, something <laughs> at that point. You know, uh, and I mean, I, I skipped over Theo. I just feel like we've talked about him a lot. Everyone knows your position on. Yeah. Through. So, I mean. I, I just feel like there's no he kept bringing up the point of if you don't want somebody who's going to be pushing for safer streets and lower crime, then don't vote for me. And he's trying to push this like pretty, pretty smart on the, the, the part of his campaign yeah. as I'm the only one who cares about this. I was a prosecutor. I know how this works. I'm not part of this dog and pony show. I'm I'm from the outside. Also, uh, the accountability. If it if it's not. If it doesn't get fixed, yeah, it's my fault. Right, it's and, my job and, to do that. And he he was uh, very firm on saying that he wants to be more of a leader than Baltimore mayor has been in yeah. the last couple iterations, which I, I can appreciate. But the fact is that, uh, like, much like if you look into anything that Trump says, you you go so far and then you realize, oh, Through's a complete fucking hypocrite on the other side yeah. of this, like. Oh, I want to do what's right. I want to make sure that, you know, I've seen the bad side of the legal system. I I don't want to make sure somebody goes through that car wash for 20 years on some nonsense bullshit. And, and then, then all of a sudden he's going over and saying Adnan is a 100% guilty murderer who should never get another trial and yeah. uh, everything we like that. We are going to appeal it once the Court of Special Appeals has said I, we're going to overturn it. I think there should be accountability in the police department, but also while you're talking to me, I'd like you to turn off your body camera. Like, yeah. There's a lot of through with questionable ethics throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And if it's not if it's not him personally, I feel like uh, uh, the Supreme Court has argued that uh, spe- money is speech. So look at who has been speaking on his behalf. Yeah. Look at the Fraternal Order Police who gives him a lot of money and all the other entities which are really interested in Theroux becoming mayor. Mm -hmm. Why would they be interested? There's a lot of corporate wealth that's going into Theroux's campaign. Like, where are we getting from? This this feels like he's just trying to ingratiate himself to be – if anyone is going to to be the corrupt next mayor, that's the guy. That's the room. Yep. He's one hundred percent. There's no way 
you can tell me that his batting average on corruption isn't going to be higher than anybody else's. I was going to say, the Brandon Scott's question, the question mark. The Rue is the exclamation point. Like, I yeah. don't know if Brandon Scott's going to continue this, like, I mean, because corruption, but... corruption comes in little bits and pieces. Yeah. It's not like, you know, tomorrow you get to sell your book and make a bunch of money from the University of Maryland. It builds up slowly yep. from it's a couple of gift things. cards. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, hey, you know, like, I just want to buy you dinner or something like that. It's like, well, I don't see what's wrong with the. <laughs> yeah. With the head of T. Rowe Price wanting to buy me dinner tonight. Like, you know, it's little choices that start adding up to bigger things. And that's that's uh, that's why my my spidey sense is so off on through. Personally, I want to talk about other little choices that build up to bad things. But before we do that, what's your overall take? This is the last episode before uh, the ballots are due back in. Yeah. What's your call on uh, the race for mayor? I think it's going to be very close. I, I don't imagine that we're going to have a firm answer the next Tuesday. We podcast kind of thing like I, I it, it'll probably still be to be decided a little bit. But I, I do think that the the first tier that we, we were considering, which is Dixon Miller and uh, uh, Brandon Scott. Yeah, is it's probably going to be one of those three people. Uh, something tells me that the undecided, the quarter of the people who are undecided are basically going to find themselves in either the Mary Miller or the Scott camp and eventually ride them to victory. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much that's unknown about how the race is actually going to, how actual voting is going to happen with mail-in ballots and stuff like that. Uh, are Sheila's contingent, going to be enough to fend off people who might not vote because it's a mail-in system now or they don't know how to like you know there's a there's a growing distrust i mean you know baltimore for being a left-leaning city does have a lot of the public distrust that the republican side has as well where there's a lot of people in west baltimore who are very nervous about the idea of sending in a ballot to the government because I got they my, feel I'll put like my name on this and I'm send it to my, you. Yeah, and like there, there's something, something afoot here. Yeah. Like this isn't going to get counted. They're going to see my address and just toss it. Yeah. And like, why do I even bother sending it in and like participating in your sham? Like, and you know that comes from a lot of people feeling like they haven't been listened to in their entire lives. So it makes sense. But I also you know, think Sheila benefited last time from a hard push the last few days of just getting out, knocking on doors, and just being like. Hey, by the way, you know me, mea culpa, I did my time, Yeah, and now I'm going to move out. She doesn't have the opportunity for that, but neither does Brandon Johnson, or Brandon Scott, who, as the youngest guy, I think, in the race, had the opportunity to be like, hey, I'm out, I'm out here, I've been working in this community, you know me, and he hasn't had that the entire race, but he definitely doesn't have it the last few days. Well, I mean, the, the, the two things that are beneficial for Brandon Scott and Jack Young at the very least is they have to go in on city business from right. time to time. Yeah. They're, they're essential in the fact that they're running the government. So maybe they're doing more work from home than they normally would. But at some point you got to show up at the hall. You got to actually do something, you know? So and you run into sun reporters there. It's yeah. They're asking questions happens. and yeah. you know, one thing leads to another. You got an interview with Jane Miller and you know, Brandon Scott's on the news and yeah. it's, I don't know. I, in my heart, if I were voting, I think I would go with Brandon Scott. It would be a it, it it'd be a tough 
choice between Brandon Scott and Mary Miller, but I think I'd go with Brandon Scott. Is he the take your medicine mayor that you've been calling for for the last two elections? I think Mary Miller is the take your medicine mayor, but I I honestly feel like we've kind of evolved past the just take your medicine at this point, okay. and we need somebody who is going to be able to set Baltimore in the direction that it needs to go for the next you know like we're looking for the kennedy we're looking yeah we're looking i mean more or less we're looking for yeah. for you know a rainmaker who changes everything and a roosevelt a kennedy if you're asking me for who that person is and the people who are running here yeah. uh, to me brandon scott's the only person who makes even a modicum of sense like I, I wouldn't say he's a kennedy figure but i'm saying if you're asking who's the most likely of these people to be that person then yeah. I, I would put it high uh I don't know. I, I think either Miller or Scott would be beneficial in the long run, assuming, you know, neither one of them uh, decides to enrich themselves in this office. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, and I, I would say I go the opposite. I, I think Brendan Scott is young enough that uh, he can do some good work on the council for the next four years. Get another crack at it. Get another crack at it, because I don't think that lifetime in Baltimore politics is what uh, Mary is looking for. Yeah, she is looking to take her particular skill set and help the place that she has invested herself in and one term or two clean up the corruption, clean up the get the books balanced and moving forward in the right direction. I mean, I, I think I, to me, voting for Mary Miller is about I feel confident that she would be able to uh, structurally change, at least financially, the way that the Baltimore yep. city government is sort of operated and for that, that would be a humongous change going forward to whoever ha she hands it off to. If it's Brandon Scott in eight years, then I think he's in a better position to do more good based off of what she did yeah. earlier. Uh, the Kennedy, question is, though, is, you know, the, if nobody listens to you, it's hard to get the message out. You know, Kennedy would not be Kennedy without Eisenhower two terms before him. Right. Stabilize the world, stabilize the situation, make everything just be OK. Then your dreamer gets to like take off. And now we, Mary gives the city hope again that things could be good. Yeah. And then your guy coming in and being like, let me tell you how we're going to make it good together resonates a lot more than like, things are pretty terrible. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to be great together. Like that's your doubt. Your doubt comes from the fact that it hasn't been level for a long time. See, but so I, I guess what, if I'm looking for a a long-term political uh, change, I think what we're really looking for is someone like FDR. Yeah. Because, you know, like, we're at the lowest of the low right yeah. now. And Hoover has fucked shit up. And it's not his fault. He just didn't know how to... <laughs> he's Jack Young. He's way in over his head. He yep. doesn't understand what's going on. Things got he's bad. It got tossed to, in his lap. He's trying to do his best, but it's just not working out. We need the idealist. We need the person who comes in with all the things that sort of sets us in the direction that we're going to go. And yes, sometimes his idealism went, goes too far. Sometimes he pushes for things that he, he shouldn't be doing. 15 Supreme Court justices. Yeah, you know, that st <laughs> stands in mind. But like, I feel like at the at the end of the day he was able to get what he wanted to get done because not only was he brilliant in how he thought about how government could work, but he was also brilliant in the way that he could inspire confidence in the people. This makes me wish for vice you know? mayors. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, if it was, if it was Brandon Scott who won and he's just like, Hey, Mary Miller has decided to come in and be my chief of staff basically yeah. for this whole thing. And she's going to help clean this shit up. I mean, like, 
I don't see why there wouldn't be a place for Mary Miller in city government to help. Yeah. Change things, even if she lost. I mean, I mean, not Brand- in Sheila Dixon's government. I mean, but- Scott's going to be there regardless yeah. as city council president, probably until I mean, he's still in. Right. Until- yeah. And the question is, if Jack loses, does he go back? Because there was I don't think so. I think as soon as you left, you left. Oh, all right. Well, then, yeah. I mean, I guess he'd have to wait and run for a seat again. Yeah. I I forget how that works exactly. But nonetheless, so FDR, to your point, had this guy named Aldrich, and I can't remember his last name. I want to say James, Aldrich James. And uh, FDR was like, I want to um, put everybody back to work and have a chicken in every pot. You figure that out. Yeah. And then he's the one who figured out the work uh, works process or works progress administration. And uh, how are we going to get everyone back to work countrywide? How are we going to organize farmers to get produce from the country into the cities and make sure people have food to eat? He was the functional guy. And that was his uh, running mate in his first uh, first term. Then it was like, all right, we figured that out. Now I'm going to switch out my VP the second time and get a guy who can do the next thing that I need. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about. The problem is there is no vice mayor. It's yeah. the one person in the seat. And that's why I would argue get the person there to set it up. The John the Baptist to the the Messiah who comes afterward. The Eisenhower to the Kennedy who can come in and just like set the table for you. Get everything stable. Set the table and move I out. mean, you know, if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about moves that could be made in the last week to sure up some form of a base. Yeah. I think any kind of strategic strategic partnership between Miller and Scott yeah. makes a lot of sense. Uh, if either one of the two of them says like, Hey, listen, we realize that if one of the two of, of us wins, we're going to need the other one in some sort of form or fashion. Yeah. And we want to make it clear to whoever is voting. Like, you know, we're, we're being respectful about it. We want to give the due to the person who wins, but the other person is going to be part of, you know, Scott's going to be council president or he's going to be mayor, and then maybe Mary comes in and helps Scott, or, you know, you can make it seem like... Turns out there's a lot of people taking on the take in the city government. <laughs> maybe I'd put you on a couple boards. <laughs> How'd you like to be on the board of estimates? Uh, to be fair, though, if I'm Mary, I'm like, hey, listen, I would love to work with Brandon if he continued his position as council president and I was the mayor. If he isn't indicted for some reason. <laughs> but, um, so that's a lot of uh, a lot of Maryland news. Uh what do you say? You're just lightning round everything that's left. Yeah, that's fine. So I was going to say, uh, little decisions that make a big difference. That's the transition to a lot of people said, I've been trapped inside. I just want to get out a little, just, just me, just me get out this weekend or Friday, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just get a little fresh air. I'm going to go to the beach, just me. And you know, a million people made that decision that is now, possibly going to have vast consequences in ocean city yeah um there was a uh tweet that went out of a video of the boardwalk i believe it is again somewhere in between thrashers and that uh it looks it looks that area of town and it is just shoulder to shoulder no masks beach wear no gloves no masks just I my skin crawls thinking about it because I'm just like I if I walked towards the boardwalk and saw that I would just get back in my car and go back home. I mean, I think the problem is now that the the conspiracy nature of nah. part of our of our population these days is unconvinced of anything. Yes. That I mean it, it it's it's one of those things that if we if if there was a scientific report tomorrow where it's like 
if you wear blue, then there's a 50% chance that you're going to die. And, you know, clearly this doesn't make sense because that isn't how science works in real life. No. But I'm just throwing out an example. But yes, yes. Throwing out a hypothetical. Sure. But I'm saying if scientists said 100% we figured out blue is responsible for death. And if you wear blue, then you're going to uh, be more likely to die. Then there would be some people who would just show up the next day wearing blue. Just to say it. Just because. Yep. And they're like, oh, I didn't die. I wore the shirt yesterday and I didn't die. Yeah, and then, they said 50%, idiot. <laughs> that's, that's how probability works. <laughs> Someday you're going to die in that shirt and there's not going to be anybody who said, you know what? Uh, we should remember that Billy was very anti-shirt and maybe we should not listen to yeah. what he had to say. I, it's uh, it's starting to make me worry that uh, any chance that we had of civility yeah. in the future is is out the window. Well, there was a there was a th- a thought I had that maybe when Trump left, like if, if Biden won and Trump came in or Trump left together. and we we sort of went back to how politics used to be. And of course, it'll be turned up. Yeah. 10 yeah. or 15 percent more than it ever had been before, because we've broken so many norms in the Trump era. Mm-hmm. But like I figured at some point we'd get back to some sort of sense of like, you know, five percent of crazy nutballs on the Internet uh, instead of the 55. Yeah, the 50. Yeah. Right now. The 50% is kind of bothering me. So. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of 50%, half of Fox News viewers think COVID is a conspiracy. Yeah. All in order for the Gates Foundation to inject them with a transponder, which is essentially the mark of the beast because Gates is the Antichrist, uh, and that will force them to be paid in cryptocurrency and be tracked at all times. Uh Y'all got any of these? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to... I held up my phone for people who were listening on the audio version. I you know, the, I got into an argument with somebody on Instagram today, and I was like, hey, they don't have to inject me with a chip. I carry around my transponder with me every day. I'll go back to my apartment if I forget my transponder. Mark Zuckerberg knows where you are all the time. And, you know, it's one of and the things I And he didn't get elected, do. and nobody, nobody voted for him for president of Facebook or yep. anything like that. Uh, it's just information you give up when you become part of the community. It's and the global community. Yeah. It's unfortunate. There are steps you can take if you want to live a life where uh, nobody tracks you. Yeah. But the problem is that you have to inconvenience yourself so much to make a point of it. And at the end of the day, what are you really proving? At that? Yeah. Like, uh, you know... It, I, I have for a long time on this podcast talked about various levels of privacy and how important it is to me and how I feel we should be fighting for it more. But I still carry my phone around. Yep. I still, I still do the things that, you know, it's not 1998 and I need to be reached by people. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I, I honestly, I just assumed like one day, you know, someone our age or someone of our vintage, yeah. whatever age they eventually become when they get elected to some form of power. Yeah. We'll say like, hey, y'all know this is fucked up, right? And then it'll just we're, change. We're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fine. I'm just uh, I'm comforted right now by the fact that uh, no matter how big of a conspiracy you think the government is out to get you, the, the process of being able to figure it out is not there. Yeah. If I say. You know, in my apartment, I plan on killing someone tonight. I don't do that. I'm just saying as a hypothetical. I do that to for Corey all the time. But <laughs> he walks up to my assistant. He's like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to kill somebody tonight. <laughs> just see if the police show up. Uh, there's not there's not a 
you know how people like set out pipe bombs to uh, various uh, prominent Democratic figures, yeah, and yeah. they got to them before the fact that you know anything was known. That person could have been found out at any point if somebody from the government was live listening to everyone's wiretaps all the Weird. time. But unfortunately, there's not as many people who work in the government as there are citizens in this country yeah it'd be a and strange the method dynamic. of being able to figure out when somebody has some sort of conversation and whether or not it's relevant to a probable event is not there so the the idea that the government is taking a lot of our metadata and putting it into a file is not great no but also at this point there's nothing they could do about it like you know the <laughs> If people really want to do something bad, they can figure out a way to do it. That's that's basically how this works. Listen, collect my metadata. I scream into this mic several times a month to bring out the guillotines. Ain't nothing in the metadata that's going to be worse than that. All right. But I do. I wanted to go quickly through the points that I made to a person in Instagram and hope that it gets through to some of you that it didn't get through to them. Gates Foundation does not, in fact, do any research. They pay public and private universities to do research. Yeah. MIT, Stanford. Uh, Oxford, they are doing research paid by the Gates Foundation, yes, but they have no control over the research. They're doing that. Two, we carry transponders. Why would they put it under your skin? Three, if they did offer one under my skin so I didn't have to carry around this fucking block that, by the way, I keep dropping and breaking, I would actually really enjoy that. If I could wear Google Glass but a contact and have an implant on my jawbone that I could hear and talk. Yeah, like and, a bone conductor. Yeah, yeah, and it's something I could just tap to get in places. I would absolutely do it. And there would be no Mark of the Beast nonsense because in the Bible, they talk about forcing people to do it. I would fucking volunteer. I wouldn't yeah. be beta testing it. And the last part of that was they're going to force you to be paid in cryptocurrency. God bless. If my boss offered to pay me in cryptocurrency, I would jump at the opportunity. And then the next April 15th, when the government asked me, hey, how much did you make last year? I'd be like, hmm, about that. I don't know. 15,000. Sound right? Sure. I'll pay taxes on that because cryptocurrency cannot be tracked. Yeah. And every time I need to buy something, I would move it if I couldn't pay in cryptocurrency to PayPal and pay via PayPal and then only report the very little bit of income that I'd have. So you see how dumb this is? None of that makes sense. And it all requires that the government and private businesses be in a vast conspiracy when the White House was occupied by President Trump and it was only filled with people who were his hardcore supporters and they could not stop leaks from going out to the press. And you are alleging that there's a vast conspiracy that no one knows about. Okay. Well, the, the going to that, it's like <laughs> you remember when you remember when the Republicans had the executive and both houses of Congress and they couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just all, all this thought about like being able to like some one person, Bill Gates, who's not associated with anything like and who doesn't direct the foundation, by the way. Yeah. He like, writes them checks. Yeah. That's it. And then goes out no, and tries to get other people. World's richest man wants to give away 99 percent of his wealth. Uh, God damn. Like, by the way, like, having trouble. You can't give it away fast. Yeah. It just keeps making more of it. <laughs> Capitalism's working just fine, everybody. Yeah. Bill Gates wakes up every morning. He's just like, oh, another 48 million. I got to figure out a way oh, to get shit. rid of it. <laughs> richer yesterday than I was today. Uh, or richer today than I was yesterday. Uh, also, uh, side note, um, I, don't, I don't mind people who enjoy religion. If you find comfort in it, if it gives your life meaning. It certainly has given my father. Kept him out of the bottle saved his life and gave him direction. And he has then passed that on to 
probably hundreds of thousands of people. If you've seen the movie Big Fish, I imagine that my father's funeral is going to be much like the end of Big Fish, where people just shoot the fuck up out of nowhere. Yeah. But um, if your pastor is telling you, don't get medicine and don't follow the government because faith is going to heal you, don't listen to him. Yeah. And I hope that when he then dies from the virus, he says faith is going to protect you from, that it further tells you that you should not listen to him. Wear your masks, wear gloves, social distance, don't go to Ocean City, um, except for everyone in Dundalk and Essex. You should absolutely go to Ocean City and lick everything. The the boards, the seats, the, the videos. Rides. The I, I shared a video with Rob before we started this podcast where, uh, uh, you know, it's it's entitled Americans like coughing on people and spitting on people and like I'm not going to wear my mask and all that sort of stuff yeah. and. It, I just don't get it. Like, I, I've crossed the border. I've I don't, become I've become this communist. I hate this country. I hate everything I, about this country. I just don't get it. Like, why? It's like fuck traffic lines. Yeah. <laughs> like staying. I thought I was born in a free country. I'm allowed to drive wherever I want. Like, yeah, but you know, like, can't you just this once, like, not be that person? Like, no, they can't. They've never been told no in their life, and now they're being told no, and they don't like the woman who wore a mask. As a bikini, yeah, and like art piece, I, I just I hate all of you. <laughs> Not you people who are listening, but look to your left. You're and the your good right. ones. Yeah, look to your left and your right at work or at home. I hate those people. <laughs> all of those people are the worst, and we would be better off without them. Well, not all of them, but, you know, a, a good degree of them. Listen, if you look over and you see someone who is under the age of 18, there's still hope. Tell them to listen to this podcast. It's completely child safe. It won't be a problem at all. Um, Nobody tell YouTube. Okay. True lightning round. Yes. Here we go. News. Uh, updates for you as of today just happened. The RNC, meaning the Republican, Republican National Committee, not this guy, yeah. is suing the state of California and Governor Gavin Newsom because of the mail-in ballots. Because Newsom had announced that he was going to mail a ballot to every voter in California, mm-hmm. and the RNC is alleging voter fraud. Okay. So I want to bring this up next week because I'm going to read the brief and I want to see the mental leap that it takes to go. We are vote mailing every voter a ballot and somehow that is voter fraud. I like how the only vote by mail we've had in California so far was a Republican winning. Yeah. Like we're okay with that one, but not all the other other ones. Yeah. Now we got the other ones we got to worry about. Hey, listen, uh, there's a lot of white people in that vote. Ain't so white the rest of the state. We're, We're going to send this. 20 goons down, try to get rid of a uh, fucking what's his face in Hollywood. Nip it in the bud. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the New York Times. Did Adam Schiff. That's what I was Adam looking Schiff. for. Yeah. Uh, New York Times did a moving cover where they listed the entire cover above and below the fold was just names of victims. And yeah, a thousand the way, of them. Yeah, not all of them, not even a high percentage of them. I think we are nearing 80,000 dead. We're at 100,000 dead. Oh, So it's 1% 000. of the people who've died. I'm pretty sure that was the estimate for us to reach in August. I wonder what happened. <laughs> um, And on that day, of course, the president went to the Rose Garden. He met with his coronavirus task force. He came out with a strong plan on how... Hasn't was, been sleeping, hasn't been eating, hasn't just been doing... working. That yeah. is it. Uh, he did have McDonald's brought in. That, it's fast food. It's. I mean, he's got to eat. Like, he's got to you know, eat something. He, he's got to stop at some point to eat. So he completely planned out, and he laid out a very clear and concise plan for the rest of the year and how we were going to defeat this enemy. Oh, you know what? 
No, I'm sorry. I, I, I think we read that wrong. He actually golfed instead. Oh. 18. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Went to Virginia to, to, to hit a couple balls. As a reminder, his number one comment towards Obama was whenever Obama went golfing, he mentioned he went golfing instead of acting like a president. Yeah. We are in the midst of a crisis. 100,000 Americans dead. We lost 52,000 men in Vietnam. That means we are about to double the number of dead in Vietnam. We spent we spent a considerable amount of time on the podcast uh, today talking about a city where 300 people die a year from murder, and yes. that is a very bad number. That's for a, a bad city. number. Yeah, for a city of that size, and to have 100,000 people dead uh, in this amount of time is not a great number either. And uh, and I'm th- trying to think, but the number of people murdered in Baltimore every year is still less than the number of Americans dying every day, but from coronavirus. Yeah. And the president went golfing. And listen, I understand he needs to take a break. Okay, I would understand that he might need to take a break if I saw him in the situation room all day, every day, banging down stats. Where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. I'm on the phone with uh, Johnson & Johnson. If he's handling things on the golf course while he's just trying to get a little leisure. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess I can understand, but. I ain't seen him. I ain't seen him doing a lot of work. What what just fascinates me is that, like, you know, I feel like. I don't golf as it is, but like even something that I love, like if somebody was just like, Hey, if you're going to be president, you can't go to karaoke for a while. I'd just be like, all right, well, I'll figure out a way. Yeah. (laughs) Figure out a way to be president just all the time. Instead. Like, Uh, you know what we do? We don't go out for karaoke. I can quietly sing in my room from time to time and then go pull up the the lyric. Yeah. (laughs) Pull up the lyric videos on YouTube. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, I just, I don't, well, you know, uh, it's it's not all just golfing here. He's also uh, spending time saying that Joe Scarborough needs to be investigated for murder. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I am concerned. The Scarborough comment was before they called him out for golfing. Yeah, I believe so. So my question is, it's not the go- What else is out there? Because we only know he tries to shift the focus when there's something else going on. Well, he's been he's been getting in this little pissing contest with Joe Scarborough for a couple years now so i i get he's i think he's just particularly wound up at the moment yeah he feels like he needs to express this but i mean like anytime you know we haven't gotten into the whole obamagate nonsense that he's been trying to i refuse to get into it there is no thing there's no such thing there is no obamagate but i'm saying like you know this is just another thing that like rather than us talking about hundred thousand people dead him golfing we're talking about joe scarborough instead so yeah you know, but just as then, a reminder, so you don't get distracted, 100,000 Americans dead. That is double the loss, nearly double the loss of American life in Vietnam over the course of uh, 12 years, 58 to, no, 58 to 74. So 72, 58 to 72. How many years is that? 14? 14. 14 years in Vietnam, 52,000. Four months of a Trump pre- presidency. I'm going to say pregnancy. Four months of a Trump presidency. During the age of Corona. 100,000. Anyway. Um, let's skip down. Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden. Uh, some news leaked this week about his vice presidential picks. It looks like it's going to be a woman. Well, he said it's going to be a woman. Okay. So uh, everyone that were all, all the, the short list has been pretty well known. A lot of the women who were running against him in yes. the primary are all oh, considered Kamala Harris. Yeah. Is she on the list? Well, I'm sure she is, but mm, I heard she wasn't. Oh, well, 
Whatever. He's, apparently, she may have said some unkind things to him or about him during the primary. And yeah, I mean, during the first the debate. He... Yes. So she is not on the list. Okay. Probably the most. And listen, I hate Kamala Harris. But if I want somebody who's going to be capable of doing the job one heartbeat away, I'm not picking. I mean, there, there's a part of I like the idea of having a vice president who I feel will kneecap somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is nice. And I think Kamala can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, after seeing uh, Elizabeth Warren take down Bloomberg in the primary, I feel like that was a way better. That was a way nastier takedown yeah, than yeah. than Kamala of Joe early on. Yeah, the, it was a little early. Kamala yeah. didn't want to come out firing too hard. I mean, <laughs> what is she, a police officer? Um, anyway, so uh, the, uh, the name escapes me now. Minnesota. Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Yeah. Why? Because she's a prominent name and. They get to say that they were examining her. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that she really. I mean, like, if you're going to try and get that Midwest woman vote, then mm-hmm. I think uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, governor of Michigan. Yep. Is the more She's on the attractive uh, option. Um, I, I still think, uh, to me, anything that isn't Stacey Abrams will feel a little weak. And because guess I, who's not on the list? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, not on the I, list. Not on the list yet. We don't know what the list is. That's the mm. problem. Like we're we're trying to figure out the list. So that- there have been several confirmations of vetting. Stacey, our uh, Governor Whitmer is one. Yep. Uh, there is a congressman from uh, the that represents Orlando, Florida. That's two. Mm-hmm. There's a congresswoman who represents a district in Ohio. That's three. But I mean, like right now, th- it benefits these people who profile is not as hot to, to say they're being vetted. say they're being vetted because but what did those three if, th- if amy klobuchar's name gets out there as a potential vp pick and no. we you know cnn does 15 minutes talking about how she would be such an inspired choice then maybe the public conversation of oh it's got to be amy yeah. i heard i heard uh chris cuomo talking about amy klobuchar being a potential vice president it can't be anyone but her should not be amy just so that's clear. Well, I know, but I'm it. saying like this is how her camp is going to work to try and make her the most uh, appealing, appealing candidate possible. Yeah. But governor of Michigan, congresswoman from Ohio, congresswoman from Florida. Also, I believe a, a senator from New Hampshire. What do those four things have in common? I mean, swing states other than the all swing states other than New Hampshire. New Hampshire went for Trump last time. Yeah, but I don't. No, yeah. if it's gonna, it's about winning back a state. Yeah. By the way, you know where else you could win back win back a state? Georgia. Yeah. Stacey Abrams, and also probably North Carolina, along with it, Virginia again, just with having Stacey Abrams. Uh, to me, that's the part that like, uh, there, there's actual talk of a Democrat winning the Senate seat in North Carolina. Yeah. Now it's Burr who's being fucking hammered all over the place, but. but it's still a Democrat. It's Doug Jones getting the Alabama seat. Like yeah. this, this is the first break in a potential uh, new version of the South, which might be uh, coming together over the next couple going uh, back elections. to the Democrats. Yeah, and, and I we mean, didn't even have to lynch anybody. It's weird. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia was as solid red as it got a decade ago, mm-hmm. and you know, Stacey Abrams came within some very unfair kind unkind play yeah. from becoming governor of that state so and you know what else she did she Brian shared Kemp's- she shared her organizing she shared her entire uh 
organization. Yeah. With anyone who wanted to run for a Democratic seat. And not only that, she didn't she didn't say like, you know, like I concede or anything like that. She's like, Brian Kemp stole this election. Now I'm going <laughs> to dedicate the next couple months of my life to making sure nobody else can do the same. Join me. Stacey Abrams. Fuck and everybody. Me. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Stacey Abrams. Fuck everybody podcast. This is Stacey Abrams. By the way, uh, I've been watching. I know you have as well. History 101. Yeah. Um, the list of countries who have had a female leader in the top seat is long. Long. Uh, Western democracies. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's probably 40 Western democracies and 15 of them have had women leaders and of those 15, I believe... Really good ones, too. Yeah. Uh, I believe 12 of the 15 have actually elected more than one over yeah. the course of time. Um, name, uh, name the country at the top of the list, not on that list. United States of America? United States of America yeah. still cannot find its way to do that. Has not even elected the second highest seat in the land. I suppose the third highest seat, but that's elected internally, not by the people. So, right. you know. I mean... I- yeah, I there there have been plenty of women who are capable and deserving of such an honor for many years. Uh, but, you know, the how about the inherent one? sexism of the of the way that the country has operated for the entirety of my lifetime and far beyond that uh, has not she, made it a a viable path going forward. Imagine if Shirley Chisholm Chisholm Shirley Chisholm had won in 68, had mm. won the nomination in 68. Yeah. And then gone up against Richard Nixon. Uh, not Richard. Um, was it Nixon in '68? Was I right about that? Yeah. Yes, he did go. She did run. Uh, Nixon did run in '68. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the right election though. Was that was she yeah, running was against Kennedy? Yep. Uh, no, Kennedy was running against Nixon in '60. Oh, Remember, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a VP in '60. And right, then right, 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 right. Kennedy went twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hubert Humphrey was 68. Yeah, because it, it was uh, uh, LBJ convention. going down. Yeah. yeah. Contested convention. Stepping down. Imagine how everything would be different if Shirley Chisholm had won at least the nomination by the Democrats in 68. Yes. I. Not that they would have won the election. I know, but I mean, like, the, the problem is that you do all this, you know, like, well, if this thing happened, then maybe this yeah. doesn't happen. But you don't know how that works either because I, I would argue that uh, if you're talking about like a take your medicine presidency, then Richard Nixon would have been one to consider because he, unlike anybody else at that time, understood how the Asia Pacific area needed to be handled. Mm-hmm. And yes, he had his own problems that were separate from his ability to recognize how geopolitical forces play. Yeah. But at that time, we really kind of needed someone like him who had a better understanding of what was going on in the situation. And even though the the a lot of the decisions didn't work out, like I'm not saying bombing Cambodia and Laos was a great idea, but opening yeah. up to China was a step that got started because Nixon had an understanding of how to triangulate the diplomacy into a relationship that? with... Did you get to that episode of History 101 yet? No. Oh, just wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Gonna... Um, so, uh, is it the China one? Because I started it. Yes, China yeah. one. Uh, yeah. That's basically the beginning of the end for, yeah. the, for the American worker. That's well, yeah, the... but I'm saying like it, 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 everything has downsides, but I'm saying at, the, at that exact moment in time, if you said, hey, we're going to get a president who really knows what's going on in that region and might be able to open up uh, communication to mm-hmm. that area of the world and then maybe make us a safer place in the future 
then everyone signed up for that. <laughs> Everybody True. Wanted. Alternatively, the concerns about Nixon were alternatively out of Vietnam six years earlier, equal rights amendment, increasing rights for workers, daycare oh, provided by the national I'm not, government. I'm not saying that there there aren't great things that I could foresee with a with an alternate future. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that at it, it's hard to say that all the good would happen just because this, you know, she was elected and that you can't, you can't unwrap that, that whole. I agree. Yeah, I do agree. I will say, I don't know if everyone is, if they, if they, this person has listed, listened this far along, but I really hope that there is a, a young black female screenwriter who does either the Shirley Chisholm story. Cause that just really needs to be told Mm -hmm. or, the alternate history version of that story where she does win. Yeah. And uh, basically uh, we could just play out the rest of elections from time from that point on 200 years in the future, <laughs> Star Trek. That's what happens <laughs> just to prove Corey wrong. Show me how we get Star Trek because Chisholm's elected in 68. Um, the only, the last thing uh, seems weird to transition from that to this, but, it's, uh, it, but it's one of those weird things. Like you never ha- know how things are going to turn out. Like uh, imagine if, uh, uh, somebody from the future just shows up and they're just like, Oh man, thank God you guys elected Trump. And it's just like, what do you mean? What? I'm sorry. Go on. And then it's just like, well, I mean like all the things that he did led to the great, yes. Yeah. The great society on the other side. Like if it wasn't for the total bottoming out of America, then we would, we would never have gotten here. Yeah. Listen, wow. wow. I mean, I didn't think of it like that without Carter. We would have never had Reagan. So there's always that everyone was just going to kill themselves up until this point. And then it all changed with Trump. And then eventually some people, you know, were excused from society, but there (laughs) There was plenty of people who were left. That super weird. Just uh, all of a sudden, this guy showed up in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and like hundred thousand people showed up, and they just <laughs> burned everything all the way to the ocean, and life got a lot better. <laughs> weird. But last point. Let's yeah. just wrap on this uh, because I don't want. I really want to beat up on Joe Biden as much as possible because fuck him. Um, this week, Joe Biden made an appearance on The Breakfast Club. Yep. Hosted by Charlemagne. Uh, and Charlemagne the, de God. Don't sorry, Charlemagne de God. Uh, Put a the, little respect on the name. The God. <laughs> um, and um, he had a perfectly respectable interview where he didn't say anything out of the ordinary that a presidential <laughs> candidate might. did. <laughs> and if you know our, a 70-year-old white man, um, what if you're a 70-year-old white man running for president, depending on black voters to come out and vote for you what might be the worst thing that you could possibly say i don't think it even has to be the 70 part i think if you just said Corey, you're running for president right now what's the worst thing you could say to the black community it's any version of assuming that i understand or that i should be the person who speaks for the black community in any way yeah like yeah like Uh, i i have taken the position I've I've, i've always thought of it like this like uh Think about a friend that you have that's maybe disadvantaged in some sort of way. They don't have enough uh, 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 things to eat or maybe they don't have a place to live. Like, it's perfectly fair to say about somebody like we need to uh, I I want to help him because I feel sorry for him Mm -hmm. or I want to make his life better. Or maybe if he gets these breaks, then he's going to be able to continue on to great things in the future. He's down on his luck right now. And then there's the other version where it's like, you know talking about how he got to this position and every like there's the two different sides that really like 
it, it, it's best just to to realize that you're never going to be able to fully understand what somebody is going through and that the only thing you can ever do is be accommodating of your good feelings towards fixing things in the future you know i i have said uh, i don't consider myself a voice of the black community i just like to consider myself a voice that speaks alongside members of the black community when yeah and speak, I, I don't even you know? go, i don't even go that far i talk about weaponizing privilege i will stand side by side with you at the front of the march because i feel as though and maybe it's incorrect that that police officer is going to think twice about his face being on the news tear gassing a 35 year old white man mm-hmm. than he would if I wasn't there. But my voice should not be involved. It is your story. I am weaponizing my, my voice privilege. Is, my voice is here only to amplify your message. Only to amplify your message. That, yeah. That's exactly it. So then what you're saying is you wouldn't say, if you have a problem figuring out if, whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. <laughs> Probably not the way to go. Probably not the way that it should be played. <laughs> Oh, Joe. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and I, I get where he's coming from. I think that uh, Trump's support in in the black community right now is in single digits, which is uh, Baltimore Police Department trust levels low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can make the argument that just looking at the numbers, he, it's not unfair for him to say something like that. I think the 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 part that is troublesome about this is projecting yourself into the argument as to what makes somebody black or not. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would never, I, I would never go Urkel ain't black. Like, cause that's not my place to say. Not that's, my call. That's not, not my, my call. I, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even know if it's necessarily other black people's price to say. Cause like, it's not my place to say whether or not it's their place to say though. Oh, I know what I'm, I'm saying. Like it, 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 it's, it's certainly not my place. Yes. You could make a reasoned argument that it's not anybody's place sure. to say, but if you're, if anyone is going to be able to say what, <laughs> how their community should be treated, it should be the a people member of, of their, their community. community. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> not a 70 year old <laughs> white man. And, and listen, I, I mean, I, like I just, I just picture Obama just like sitting back in a chair watching the Joe Biden on, like, oh, I love Charlemagne the God. I can't wait to watch this. Just eat popcorn. And he's just like, oh, fuck Joe. God, God damn, damn it. it. <laughs> Why do you keep doing this? And it's like, uh, again, you feel, I, I get, Obama's got to feel like he's got to get out there and be like, what Joe meant to say <laughs> was, uh, it is clear from his track record that he has been a supporter of the black community his entire life. Yeah. And Trump's track record has been trying to decimate <laughs> the, the black community opposite. as much as possible. So really, there is no choice. You should not be for one if you consider yourself a supporter of the community. What he said was <laughs> not that. Yeah. Um, but he's a forgetful 70-year-old white man, and maybe we should just move on from yeah. that. Um, yeah, so and I, we keep saying that at some point something's going to happen that's going to just throw Joe off the deep end. But I'm starting to feel that may be a thing of the past. Maybe Trump has created a, an environment where you just can't. Like we react really harshly to something, but then it subsides and burn out quickly. All, all of politics right now is team sports and the referee is making questionable calls on the field. Yep. yep. If you are a Trump fan and a call has been made against team Trump, you're like, these fucking people don't know what they're talking about. And this referee should be murdered and blah, 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 blah. But, and when it's a call in your favor, you're just like, well, no, that's exactly how the game's supposed to be played. You can't you can't recognize when when the call 
goes against, you know, you can recognize instantly when the call goes against you. Yeah. But if it's a questionable call that goes your way, hey, it's hey, just hey, like, hey, well, hey, listen, hey. you know, we play within the margins and sometimes this, <laughs> yes. you know, like some people won't even acknowledge that. No, it was perfectly reasonable. Of course there wasn't a call. Like you're yeah. allowed to tackle people in the open field in baseball. Like <laughs> that is <laughs> politics in America in 2020. Aren't we awesome? You know what else is awesome? What's that? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey to the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. You can find more of me on my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendsAB5 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and TikTok. Uh, just made a new TikTok video the other day. I know that's how it works. You do it every couple days. Uh, that's how you build the cred. Mm. So go check that out and look forward to another one in a couple of days. Uh, Building the cred. <laughs> uh, review for The Last Dance is up right now on YouTube. Uh, I will be doing one for Lovebirds for uh, this coming Monday. So uh, go check that out. And uh, yeah, that's about it, I think. All right. Well, of course, you can find me at Robert and Cheek on all your social networks. Uh, you can uh, check out robertandcheek.com where you can find links to everything that I'm doing, uh, including the YouTube videos, youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek, where you'll find the Everyman Movie Review Series. Um, this week I did Contagion. Uh, I've kind of gone through some older movies that you can find on uh, streaming right now. I got a, a a whole list of them coming. Um, War Games is coming up. Pleasantville, uh, mm. big, all coming up. Uh, I was w- weirded out to find out that uh, some people hadn't seen those movies. I'm like, okay, so we're gonna have to go through some older stuff, and it's available on streaming. Now, I feel so. like some of them are excusable. Some, like yeah. maybe if you haven't seen Pleasantville, maybe you just missed it. It's in our generation. I like, feel like Big was the type of thing that was on TV so much. I don't yeah. know how you missed it. Yeah, and it was like part of our our thing growing up it's like the movie where tom hanks gets to become an adult yeah it's like every kid's dream right right right, right. So, uh, anyway uh, i still you, wish i could grow up i know jesus uh and Just live uh, my own fucking life uh you can uh also find links to the books which are available on amazon Byron's books and uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming so uh keep that posted and just one final reminder you know at o the anthem on, on uh, all your social media but make sure you find the post with the sweepstakes and sign up we're giving away a free dtla t-shirt uh all you have to do is sign up it's a free giveaway you don't have to do anything other than that so go find the link go sign up and um and have a chance at a free t-shirt well i think we've done good here today We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the OD Anthem podcast, part of the OD Anthem digital network. For Corey, for Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. (laughs) I think I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away.